0: Jesus name. Help us to see God in Jesus name. Amen. Man, you guys can be seated if you want to. You can hang out up here. It's great too. There's so many things in life and in ministry that I've seen with my spiritual eyes before I ever saw it with my physical eyes. God opened up a way through His Spirit to glimpse the future, to glimpse a godly future, and to be, then to begin to prophesy towards that future. That now I feel like I'm living in the prophecies of years ago. I'm seeing now over and over again things with my physical eyes that I saw years ago with my spiritual eyes. And God will give us that insight if we will take it. God will allow us to see that way if we will just open up our eyes. You were just thinking about this just this weekend and this last week as we're planning for our summer missions teams. And years ago, I saw a vision with my spiritual eyes of God mobilizing an army of young people to spread out across this planet and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just on short-term trips, but instead, like short-term, moving into longer-term, and God raising up a missionary army out of the University of Central Arkansas. I saw it. I saw it years ago. I'm talking 15 years ago I saw this. And now, I'm seeing it with my physical eyes. God willing, God willing, there will, be, there will be 200 people overseas this summer out of central Arkansas, Chi Alpha. Over 200 people overseas, spread out across a couple different continents, about 13 different nations, about 19 different locations. God is raising up and sending out a missionary army from a secular university. Yeah. Yeah. you know that even on a Monday night, what... This right here, imagine this transplanted into a a secular university campus, but instead of a bunch of of older people, and I I say that because I'm one of you, you know, Uh, instead of a bunch of older people, there are young people, 500 to 800 of them gathered together singing God's praises with passion and with authority, not because their parents told them to go there, because their hearts have drawn them to the presence of God. And we wonder what the hope of our nation might be. Man, I see it. I see the hope of our nation. I see them on a regular basis. I look into the eyes of university students and I see the hope of our world. And God is raising up an army that's not just taking summer trips. I'm talking they're laying down their lives for the gospel. You know that in this past 10 years, God has raised up and sent out 94 full-time missionaries out of central Arkansas, Chi Alpha. 94 full-time missionaries. Do you know that there's a lot of Bible schools that don't have that many missionaries coming out of them? But out of secular universities, do you see what God is doing? I saw it years ago with my spiritual eyes. And now I'm seeing it with my physical eyes. This ability to see into the supernatural is what I believe the Bible calls faith. And Hebrews chapter 6 says it like, sorry, chapter 11, verse 6 says it like this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, how many in the place would say, I would, I would love to please God? That is, in fact, the desire of my life is to just please God. Man, if I can get to the end of my life and the Lord says to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Man, everything that I've done will be complete in his pleasure over me. And it just says we only need one thing to please him. And that's faith. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I have faith in God. But they certainly don't act like they have faith in God. Because they act like they're wrapped up in the things of this world. And faith is the ability to see beyond the things of this world and see into the things of God. And without this kind of faith, without faith that generates action, without faith that allows us to believe for something supernatural, we can say we have faith all day long, but until we risk ourselves to see the supernatural come into the natural world, we don't really have faith. And we have never really pleased God. But God's called us to be people of faith, men and women of faith. And without this, it's impossible to please God. The best definition we have in the Bible of faith comes in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And, and it's, it's, not, it's more of a, a definition of faith of kind of how it is lived out or, or uh, in, in its essence. And it says this, now faith is being sure of what we hope for. What do you hope for? What is your hope? Is that based in God or is that based in earthly things? If it's in kingdom things, I would ask you how sure are you about it? How certain are you that it will come to pass? You know, we measure certainty in, in, in this culture on the basis of what we can see and taste and touch. We say this is certain. This is real. The physical things are the most real things that we can deal with. That's what we can really be sure of. But that is not a biblical viewpoint. Now, we could all look at a a two-dimensional drawing or even a painting uh, that we could sit in front of us and we could say, is that real? That painting of a a masterpiece of a landscape. And we would say, is that real? Yes, that's two-dimensionally real. But is the three-dimensional landscape that that was drawn after, is that less real or is that more real than the two-dimensional picture? We would all say the three-dimensional is more real, right? That other thing is flat. It lacks depth to it. It lacks multiplicity. You know, when we go through our lives treating the three-dimensional world as though it's more more real than the spiritual world, we live in a painting. God has opened up to us a world that is beyond this earth. That, In fact, the word, word says, that's the one that we are meant to be citizens of. To be living every day of our lives in that world. Not waiting for the time that we die to go to some other world. But to be living in another world as we are still dwelling in this world. That we might be in this world but still not of this world. That God would desire for us to be able to see into that supernatural world. And that's why it says it like this in Hebrews. It says, this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Everything we see here, all of creation was formed not out of what was visible, but out of what was invisible. God called it forth. God spoke it. And he saw it before he ever said it. And he spoke it into the physical realm. Do you know that God has entrusted us with that same authority? That we can see things in the spiritual realm. and We can call them into the natural realm. That even that's what we're doing when we're proclaiming healing over somebody. We're seeing something that God is doing in the spiritual realm. And we're calling it into the physical realm. God has given us the authority because of his creative nature to put creation in our in our mouths so we can declare it so we can be certain that it will come from the invisible into the visible now i have i have five sons uh and they are they they along with their mama are the joys of my life Uh, they are the treasures of this world for sure in fact there is nothing that's more valuable to me than them and and I love getting to spend my life with them. And God reveals so much of himself to me through them. My fourth son, his name is Quade. Uh, and Quade, you know, ever since he was, he was just a young boy, Quade has found himself uh, in injuries. Uh, I, I, he's just a risk taker in everything that he does. I don't, I don't know how he gets injured so much. Most of the time it's because he's doing something he probably shouldn't have been doing. Uh, and I, I, may, I think maybe... Uh, When God made him, he maybe installed uh, concrete magnets right underneath right here and then another one right here because his head finds a way to slam concrete often. It's like they have an attractional force. In fact, if you would look at Quaid's forehead, it would tell you a story of his life. (laughs) Scars and scratches and, I mean, there's been so many times where he has just like huge lumps. I remember we were down in New Orleans one time. visiting and speaking at a campus down there, and, and we were walking around the two-lane campus, and he he tried to jump off of this upper ledge onto this lower bench on this concrete uh, area, and it's like his feet just clipped the bench, and then his head goes wham, and he just like, huge bump right here, like, I mean, just massive, I mean, covering his head, uh, and like, I'm like, oh my goodness, my boy, you look like an alien, <laughs> but I'll tell you what he says most of the time when he gets hurt, most of the time he gets hurt, he's like, he jumps back up and he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Well, my son, your head tells a different story. But like, I think, he's, I think he thinks he's maybe going to get in trouble if he's hurt or something like that, you know, because he was probably doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. So he's always like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And they'll check it out later. He'll be like, oh, you know, like... Going from injury to injury, I'm, I'm thankful. I, I also think the Lord didn't give him a whole lot of nerve endings because his pain tolerance is incredibly high. Like, really, like his pain tolerance is incredibly high. We were at a, a retreat in the spring, and uh, and Quade was playing in the, in this pavilion area, and there were these there were these picnic tables around that were like these big heavy metal picnic tables, you know, the graded ones, kind of that have a little rubber surface on them, uh, and they and he was playing around and. And, uh, and he tripped, and he fell, and he hit his, hit his eye right on the corner of one of those picnic tables. And, and this is how, kind of how he came out of the deal. Now, this one, he didn't jump up and say, I'm fine, I'm fine. He started crying and, and, uh, and really, really hurting. Ran over to my boy, and like, oh, I mean, immediately his eye was just swelling up, just, just like, just swelling up immediately. And so, I'm, obviously, I'm concerned for my son, so I get down, and I'm like, i like, are you okay? You know, I'm trying to feel like, because those picnic tables are hard, you know? And so I'm trying to figure out, like, are the bones broken there or anything like that? I'm trying to feel around a little bit. And it, you know, he, he seems to be, you know, not experiencing any more pain when I'm pressing on his face than he already had, and he's calming down. and And so then my next concern is for his vision, you know? And so I'm like... Uh, so i'm holding up fingers you know i'm like how many fingers you see and he's like two and you know so i'm like so i'm pretty pretty content with the fact that like he's going to be okay i've had black eyes before uh they heal up they look pretty nasty but you know you can wear them with pride if you want to uh and so so i'm pretty convinced he's going to be okay right and so his swelling goes down and and it's it's a week later and he's basically going about like everything's okay well, he's playing at his grandma's house, and he, he comes in comes in and, and into the room where Kiki's at, and she looks at him, and his eye is like way swollen back up again, like huge, like just again. And she's like, Quaid, what happened to you? He's like, nothing. I was playing cars. She's like, what's going on with your eye? He's like, nothing. And he, he feels it. He's like, oh, 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 I don't know. He's like, I guess maybe I bumped it. Well, I guess maybe you bumped it. You know, he's got this huge, huge... Uh, egg on his eye again, and so she's really concerned about it, and so she decides we can take him to a doctor, and so she takes him to the doctor, and they begin testing him, and they're like, we think there's something wrong with his, his vision, his vision's actually impaired, and so they send us all the way to Children's Hospital, and Children's Hospital is never a fun place to go, uh, and so we're going to Children's Hospital to check out Quade, and they're testing him, and, and really, to start off with, they're, they're concluding that he's actually fine. They're giving him different vision tests, and they're like, We're like, no, no, actually he's fine, he can see fine. But what was happening is Quaid was cheating tests. And so they were saying, Will you cover up your eye? And so he'd cover up his good eye, except for this little crack right here. And he'd look through that. And he'd see the vision chart. Now he he wasn't trying to cheat it. That's just what he'd been doing his whole life. He'd been cheating tests his whole life with his vision. Because what they told us later when they discovered, if he actually covered it up, and they told us that he actually has had this since birth, just didn't know about it. He's been cheating tests all the way along the line. I remember he was looking at, at the uh, eye chart, and I'm standing there next to him, and they actually put, you know, like a full patch over his eye, like taped it on, you know, no cheating. <laughs> he said, he said, read, read this line, and you know, the top line, switch, there you go top line he says that's an e and then they say okay read that read that second line there i don't know and i'm like i'm like quade read read the line my boy you know letters he's like can't see it and he's not like super concerned by it i am you know but i'm like i'm like no you you know what that is like that's an f and he's like i can't see it see he'd been blind His left eye, legally blind. His vision in his left eye was two, or sorry, twenty-two hundred. Not twenty-twenty, but twenty-two hundred, which is legally blind. And he'd been going through life, only being able to see really out of one eye. And all of a sudden stuff started making sense. Like, why does he run into everything? You know, like he can't see it. But he had one good eye. That should have been good enough, right? Have you ever thought about why didn't God just give us one, one eye? You know, like just right here, right in the middle of our head, right there. I mean, he did that with our nose, you know. We just get one nose, we get one mouth, we got one chin, you know. But why not one eye? You guys, I know you guys will, well, that would look weird. Not if everybody had one. It would be normal, you know. The, the sayings would be like, oh, I look deep into her eye. We were just gazing into each other's eye. Oh, she has a beautiful eye. It would just be normal, right? Why did God decide two eyes was necessary? Because without two eyes, we don't have depth perception. Do you know it's the same way spiritually? We can go through life blind in a spiritual eye. And we bump into one thing after another. We get injured one time after another. Blind in our spiritual eye. Not understanding why all this stuff is happening because we can't see beyond it. And we have zero depth perception. Now, here was the first option that Quaid chose. Is He was embarrassed by his bad eye. Especially because it had an injury associated with it. So he had this big black eye. So I said, buddy, I'll, I'll help you with that. And so I made him this patch. It's got this little leather patch. I made a little soccer ball on it. It says gold on it. Like it he was pretty excited about it, you know, a little pirate theme. And so, so it started off, he took, he took this patch and he placed it over his bad eye. Is that right? Actually, I, I think I flipped that picture. but He placed that, that patch over his bad eye to cover up his injury. And I think sometimes this is what we end up doing. So when we're going through life, even as we're trying to follow after Christ, instead of seeing through both eyes, we end up getting injured. And then we just start covering it up. Just cover up injury until it gets better or until we can put it behind us and then we take it off again and and we go about things, but then, oh man, like somebody does something we didn't expect them to do that they shouldn't have done, you know, as a Christian or in the church or whatever, and we get hurt by that, and we get betrayed by somebody, we're like, that was never supposed to happen. These are supposed to be God's people. Uh, or we go through life, and, and we, we sacrifice something for God, or we give in an offering, and then when immediately it doesn't come back to us a hundredfold, we're like, oh, like that hurt. Why? And we just cover it up, and it's like, oh man, I'll I cover up that injury. When things don't go the way that we expect it to, we just cover it up. But what the doctor said, is, he said, if you will have Quaid for two to four hours a day, patch his good eye, two to four hours a day, patch his good eye, his brain will make itself get stronger. And he will begin to see more and more through his bad eye. Now, it was frustrating to Quaid because we were taking away his best sight and leaving him with his worst sight. And so even as he's trying to do stuff, he's frustrated, he's getting headaches, like uh, he's struggling with it. But Quaid, if nothing else, Quaid is a determined young man. I mean, he is resolute. And so, so he's, if, if, it's, if he's told you need to patch your eye, He's getting up in the morning, he goes in there, he slaps that baby on there, and he wears it around. Two to four hours a day, six months, two to four hours a day, patching his eye. You know what? People would see him walking around, and they'd be like, "Great, what's, what's wrong with your eye? What's going on? And you know what he'd say? he say, nothing, I'm getting stronger. Nothing's wrong with me, I'm getting stronger. And do you know what happened? He got stronger. Little by little, bit by bit, as he patched his good eye, his bad eye got stronger and stronger. We took him back to Children's Hospital after six months of patching two to four hours a day. And they began to test his eyes. And without cheating, as they went down the line, on the 2020 line, he could read almost everything on the 2020 line. got to restore his vision in both eyes. Now this is what the doctor told us. They said you should be thankful for that injury. You should be thankful for that injury because without that injury, you would have never discovered the fact that he was blind in that eye. And if you wouldn't have discovered it before the age of 10, it would have been that way forever because if you don't if 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 you don't discover that at a young age, the brain just gives up on that eye. And it says, you're of no use to me. And he would have been blind in that eye for the rest of his life. But the fact that you caught it at six years old, it is fully restorable. Now, how many of us, as faith people, are going through life with a weak spiritual eye. And the time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter to catch that before your brain just gives up on the fact that God is supernatural or that he might allow you to have vision into something or that he might use you for supernatural reasons or that he might have a higher purpose for you than just building your own kingdom or establishing your own wealth or making a life for yourself. Do you know if we can stretch out eternity in in the form of a rope? From here, it would stretch all the way and out that door and across the field, right? And do you know what our lives on this earth would amount to on that rope? It would be about two inches. And yet, you know what we do is we go through life and we try and think about, oh man, what can I do in my life in this quarter of an inch to make sure that I, I can have a really good three quarters of an inch later? All the while, blind to eternity. Blind to the things that really matter. I mean, my goodness, could we not invest ourselves more into the the yards and feet and and fathoms and miles that would stretch on beyond this life? And instead of getting so consumed, just like everybody around us, in in our possessions or what we have or what the temporal things of this world are, do you realize that those things, rust and moth corrodes them, they will be destroyed? Those are not treasures. We have kingdom treasures that God has entrusted us with. Eternal treasures. Citizens, the word says, that we're supposed to be of another world, not of this world. Corinthians says it like this. Paul here is talking about these treasures that are stored up, says, in jars of clay. In other words... There's things that are of incredible value, incredible worth. And then there's worthless things. And God has put the incredible things inside of the worthless things. God has put eternity inside of jars of clay. And then Paul says it like this in verse 13 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. He says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. In other words, Paul's saying... It's out of belief and it's out of faith that we proclaim things. We speak them into existence. because, Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Now listen, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Do you hear what Paul's saying there? Outwardly, it all looks like this. It looks like we're wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I'm not viewing things through the natural realm. I'm seeing into the spiritual realm. That's why Paul later is able to say things like, man, listen, I found a secret, of being content in all circumstances, whether hungry or well-fed, whether in plenty or whether in need. like He's saying, I've figured it out. I've got to stop focusing on the circumstantial stuff around me. Do you know that when Christians go through their lives focused on the circumstantial things around them, they deny the Christ? That Do we not know that the one that we're connected to is able to resurrect the body? Into an eternal creation? And yet, so many of us go through life frustrated by what happens on Facebook. Are you kidding me? Facebook? Oh, I get so offended. You know what we could do? Turn it off. Patch it. Do you know that if we'd start closing our natural eye, that we would start seeing with a spiritual eye? Baby, hand me my phone, will you? I call this an image maker. That's what it does. It makes images. Romans says it like this. That although God made himself available to creation, made himself evidenced through creation so that nobody has an excuse, their minds were darkened and their thinking became futile. And it says they traded in the glory of the immortal God for images. Who would ever trade the glory of the immortal God for images? Just on my feed. Just looking into the natural images. Do you know what the studies say? Right now, average American, average American, I'm not talking about young people, I'm talking about all of us, average American. You know how much time we spend in front of a screen every day? 10 hours and 39 minutes. 10 hours and 39 minutes staring into the natural, trading the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like men and women and animals and reptiles, swapping the glory of the immortal God for images, not looking into the supernatural, just looking into the natural. I want to challenge you. Will you start patching? We stop wasting your life by watching television and movies, playing video games, playing stupid phone games. Time wasters at best, time wasters at best, but mind wasters, life wasters. Why, why, why is it that as the usage of these things, these image makers, has increased, so has the diagnosis with anxiety and depression? Why has that happened? Do you think that might be correlated? That that all the drugs that we have to take, that there's 120 opioid prescriptions in Arkansas for every 100 people? Do you think there's a reason why we have to medicate so much into the natural? That it might be because we're not focusing on the supernatural? Verse 17 says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. God, why is it that I gave my life to you and everything's not beautiful around me? Light and momentary troubles. Where is it in the Word that God promised that we would have tulips and rainbows every day? I don't see it. Matter of fact, the word says, in this world, you will face trouble, tribulation, hardship. That's the promise of God. So why is it that we go through life being like, oh man, something bad happened. God, why'd you do this to me? He's like, because I promised I would. I'm trying to achieve something eternal inside of you. If you get more and more wrapped up in this world, you're going to live in this world. I was trying to do something eternal for you. Why are you acting messed up about it? I'm doing exactly what I said I would do because I wanted to create dependence inside of you. Oh man, God, why am I sick? Why am I not healed yet? Well, maybe it's through sickness that we would become more dependent on God. And I'm not saying God doesn't heal because absolutely God heals. But what's the better healing, the physical one or the spiritual one? The two-dimensional one or the three-dimensional one? And I believe, therefore, healed three dimensionally, we will also be healed two dimensionally. But I don't think God likes to do it the other way around. Why would God want to cover over a spiritual problem by fixing a physical one? I believe that God would call us to take up one of these and patch. Some of that's about shutting out things. I'm telling you, I think we could go the rest of our lives and never watch television and movies and media again, and I think we'd be just great for it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse 18 finishes off like this. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What are your eyes fixed on? What consumes your life? What consumes your thoughts? Are you thinking all the time's about what is seen? Bank accounts? Material possessions? Circumstances? Or is your eyes fixed on what is unseen? you dream about the things of God? Do you see into the spiritual realm what God is doing? How about when somebody betrays you or somebody acts rude to you at work, do you focus on what is seen or do you see beyond the rudeness? Do you see beyond the injury and say, man, I don't see an injury for me, I see an injured person because I see in the spiritual. And so instead of reacting back like, whoa, I get them back, instead, can I get through the natural to the spiritual? You know that every time somebody does something wrong to you, God is offering you an opportunity for intimacy with Him and for healing for them. How many offers do you get in a day? How many offers do you get in a day for intimacy with God? How many times you cut off on the road? Oh, thank you, God, for that offer. I choose nearness to you. I forgive that person. I'm sure they needed to get somewhere else quicker than I needed to get there. I bless them, Lord. Do you know how beautiful it is to live your life blessing people instead of cursing them? you know the anxiety of your life when you start just living a life of forgiveness? The anxiety of your life just... You're like, I want to live in peace. We'll start seeing into the supernatural, whether than, rather than being wrapped up in the physical. That creates anxiety, stress, man, ulcers, all that stuff. So we focus not on what is seen, but on what is, what is in unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And when Kiki was with Quaid at, at Children's Hospital now, The second time, six months later, after he got the report back on his site, Quaid, the doctor had left, and Quaid was just sitting there next to Kiki. And and this this was his natural response to what had just happened. I want you to listen to this. him singing that. She didn't tell him to sing it. She just caught him singing it. What if God would catch us singing his praises? Because we're seeing into the supernatural. Would you stand with me? God wants to reveal Himself to us. In fact, that's His greatest desire. He wants to know us and us to know Him. That is what the Word says is eternal life, knowing God. But we can only see Him through the supernatural eye. This song that came to Quaid's heart is called Ever Be. It says, Your praise will ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips not just when things go well but always you will be praised when we see things through god's eyes we're always filled with gratitude because we realize we're not promised even another breath so when things don't go our way we say praise you god this is a chance to be near to you And then when things do go our way, we don't say, well, look what I accomplished. Because we know that every breath and every strength and every ability and every opportunity that went into that came from the Lord anyway. So we say, praise you, God. I praise you whether it goes good or I praise you whether it goes bad. Your praise will ever be on my lips. And in response to God, I want us to sing this song. Your praise will ever be on my lips. As we do, I would challenge you to make a commitment of patching. It may be giving away material possessions, that's a great way to patch. The Word says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The more you give stuff away to God, the more your heart will be attached to Him, the more you'll see into the things of God. Maybe cutting out television, movie, media, Facebook, Instagram, all that. Just removing it and see what you start to see. See what joy you have in your life. See how well you sleep. See how much stress and anxiety is removed from your life. Maybe it's a commitment to God to see the people that are around you on a daily basis. Not not on the surface, but to see beyond the surface. To see that every person is an opportunity for discipleship. We make a commitment to patch and to begin to see through God's eyes. let's sing together
1: You love loaded going like a soul like a vow that is tested. Like a covenant of old, Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon. For mercy, for today, faithful You have been and faithful.
0: God, let your praises always be on our lips. God, I declare over us testimonies of sight, testimonies of freedom. As we choose to close our eyes to the physical things and see into the spiritual things, Lord, I declare testimonies. Testimony of Sleeping through nights. Absence of anxiety and stress. Peace. Testimonies of provision. Testimonies of visions. I want to close with a story. A quick testimony. I think it was about three years ago. God gave me, He allowed me to see a missions training center. There would be a platform to expand the capacity to raise up this missionary army. For years, has operated out of a 2,000 square foot house that's been converted into office space. God's used that building. I don't believe that God's about buildings. I believe he's about people, but I believe that buildings can be a tool in his hand. So God's used that building, but frankly, we were beyond capacity of that building a long time ago. And God allowed me to start to see a missions training center. And it felt so far beyond me, but I said, God, I'm gonna speak from what is unseen into what is seen. I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna act in faith. And the Lord gave me this picture in my mind's eye, in my spiritual eye. He said, man, it's going to be like a puzzle. There's going to be a lot of pieces. And you just have to go out and find the puzzle pieces, and I'll assemble them together, and it will be beautiful. We went out, and God allowed us to buy a couple pieces of property right next to UCA. God put me in in, in connection with an architect that ended up connecting me to his CEO, and the CEO of Taggart Architects said, Taggart Architecture said, we want to do this whole thing uh, pro bono for you. That was about a $140,000 commitment. A construction company in town, I met with one of the owners. He said, we want to do this thing for you at cost. Commercial construction can be, can be like a cost plus 10, plus 10. You can pay up to 15, 20% over what the, what, what the, the actual cost of the building is just to a general contractor. That's a, a $200,000 commitment. Pieces of the puzzle coming together. God's provided along the way. Like I I said to God, God, I know what it took to go out and raise the money for this $200,000 project of this other building. God, I I don't have the capacity. I don't want to leave behind stuff with people to go out and chase after money. You have to provide. And God said, I will take care of this. And God's provided, we have about $600,000 in the bank to go towards this new building. We have commitments of about 300, 335,000 of other money that's been committed to it. Like almost a million dollars has been committed to this thing. It will, In the end, it will be about a $1.9 million project. And just a couple weeks ago, I called up UCA because we had a, a meeting, a town meeting, uh, about that property we had over there. And, and we sent out 46 letters to all the neighbors around there. Uh, before we went into zoning and before we went into to design review we sent out 46 letters six people showed up or six families were represented there now the way this stuff works is there's never the ones that are always excited about what you're doing they don't show up for those meetings we faced opposition i'm talking to you for an hour and a half these people railed me about how bad this was going to be for their neighborhood attacked me and in it all I said God what are you doing here and and God said if Matt if you'll just see if you just raise your eyes above this circumstance I'll show you I'm doing something else and so even though we purchased property I stepped back and I said okay God I'm going to open up my eyes I'm going to see what you're doing Through a series of circumstances now I called UCA about a month ago I said Uh, I wanted to check back in with you on what property options are for us. And they said to me, well, we think what we want to do, and we have to approve this by the president, but he's really aware of your circumstances. And we got to get this through the board, but we did talk to the chairman of the board and he's for this. We think what we want to do is we want to pay you what you paid for those other properties. We want to give you $240,000 and then we want to lease you a block of land right on campus for 99 years for a dollar a year. I said, I think we can swing that. Now, it's not done yet. There's still lots of pieces that God's going to bring together in the puzzle, but I'm saying to you, if we'll just choose to see with our spiritual eyes and to act in faith, God will supply all of our needs. God is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. I bless you to experience him as that. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Now, hold hold steady for just a moment. I'm having one of those Nick Saban moments (laughs) last night. If you watched that game, but uh, number one, I'm just so blessed uh, as a pastor to have be connected to all you guys. And and uh, I I always say, my my favorite people are my family and the carpenters. I do, don't I? I mean, I said my, you know, um, so just honored to have these guys around me. They they push me spiritually. They do. And, and, um,